0: Hello, I am Bob Mooney. I am a Bible teacher in the local body of Christ, and I have been an interim pastor of a home church for a number of years. I hope you find these Bible lessons a blessing and of practical value. Today we're going to start a four-lesson series on Psalm 139, and we're going to start by doing an introduction to this and going over some literary terms. And then we're going to look at the verses by verse. Break this down and see what God will show us along the way. Matthew Henry writes that this is considered, the psalm is considered by some Jewish theologians to be one of David's most excellent psalms. It is an intimate poem between David and God. It displays God's omniscience, his all-knowing power, his omnipresence, being present everywhere at once, and his omnipotence, having unlimited power and authority. God knows all, but more importantly, he knew King David, and he knows us. It was believed at that time, when David wrote this, that kings were unsearchable. King Solomon wrote in Proverbs twenty-five three. As the heavens are high and the earth is deep, so the hearts of kings are unsearchable. After stating God's omniscience, David goes into specifics, and that will be the study of this psalm. Well, let's take a minute and look at the structure of Psalm 139. The psalm consists of four what they call strophes, which, simply put, is a rhythmic system a section of a poem that where the lines really don't rhyme is basically a each section has its own thought it also contains what they call merryisms. and a merryism is a pair of contrasting words or phrases used to express totality or completeness for example, the expression young and old is like bookends. These words are like bookends. You have the young and you have the old and everything in between. And the marriage vows for richer or poorer, for better or worse, in sickness and in health. Each of these is a Maryism for richer or poorer, and everything in between. For better or worse, we use the expression a lot oftentimes life and death. This is another Mariism. And we'll look at these and we'll point these out throughout this psalm. So let's start by reading the first strophe, the first paragraph, if you will, verses one through six. And keep in mind there are four strophies, each of them consisting of six verses. In each lesson we'll do. We'll look at each strophe. Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6. For the director of music, of David, a psalm. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in, behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Well, let's break this down one verse at a time. Verse 1. For the director of music, of David, a psalm, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. This is a good example of God's omniscience, His all knowing power. The word searched me, literally in Hebrew, means to penetrate, to examine intimately. And then He goes on to say, Lord, and you know me. That word know is to discern, to know, to look well into, to perceive and most importantly, to have understanding. If we break down the word intimacy, it's into me see. God has searched David's heart and mind, and he knows very intimately David. Completely, and he understands who David is, what David thinks, and what David does. Again, Matthew Henry writes, He is acquainted with all our ways, intimately acquainted with them. He knows what rule we walk by, what end we walk towards, what company we walk with. So what David is saying here is that there is not a thought, not a word spoken that God doesn't know and understand. God knows each and every one of us intimately. There is no nowhere we can go that he cannot reach us. And in Psalm 33 verses 15 and 13 to 15, David wrote, From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on the earth. He who formed the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. And again in Psalm 17:3, Though you probe my heart, though you examine me at night and test me, you will find that I have planned no evil. My mouth has not transgressed. So again, in verse 1, we see that God knows us intimately. Verse 2, you know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. This is the 1st Maryism we we'll look at. You know, when I sit and when I rise and everything in between. Literally, sit means not only to sit, as in sit down in a chair, but it means to dwell. That brings to mind John 15 when Jesus was talking about abiding in the vine. It's to dwell, live there. God knows where we sit, where our hearts reside, where we live, both literally and figuratively. In verse 2, it says, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Perceive means literally to understand, to discern, to pay attention. It implies discerning between good and evil. You see, man perceives things through his senses but senses do not ensure understanding. Just because we see things and we register it in our mind does not necessarily mean we understand it. Moral understanding is a gift from God, and it accompanies a proper reverence towards Him. Solomon wrote in Proverbs 2, 1-5, through My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look at it, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. In verse 3, David continues, You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with, with all my ways. you're going out and my lying down. Another Maryism. God knows everything that we do. We go out, the times of action, and are lying down, the times of inaction, and everything in between. You are familiar with all my ways. Literally ways means a road or a path or actions that we take. God knows all our actions, all the paths we take in life. He knows everything about us from our times of action to our times of inaction. In verse four, before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. This verse is somewhat controversial. Some commentators believe that it's not literal that God does not know all that we say before we say it that's an interesting point the preacher's commentary puts it this way if no thought escapes him as we saw in verse 2 then certainly no word word escapes him either all of our communication is monitored by him and he can and he clearly knows us better than we know ourselves i cannot help but speculate on my own thoughts and words if if my thoughts and words would change if I really believed this and re- was really conscious of it and I do I do believe that God knows everything that we say before we say it oftentimes I wish I would remember that before I open my mouth even if you don't understand or don't believe that God knows all our thoughts before we say it It's something to ponder, something for us to think about the next time we say something that we probably shouldn't. And that's probably one of the most difficult things in life to do is to, as James put it, to tame the tongue. In verse five, you hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Here again is another mary You hem me in behind and before, and everything in between. God not only leads us by going before us, but he also protects us, protects our back while he guides us. We'll end this strophe in verse six. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. David is overwhelmed by the thoughts of how Omniscient God is. Another quote from Matthew Henry. Thou hast such a knowledge of me as I have not of myself, nor can I. I cannot take notice of all my own thoughts, nor make such a judgment of myself as thou makest of me. It is such a knowledge as I cannot understand, much less describe. That thou knowest all things I am sure, but how I cannot tell. We cannot, by searching, find out how God searches and finds us out. Nor do we know how we are known. I realize that Matthew Henry wrote many, many years ago, and a little bit of King James English thrown in there. But his point is very well taken. God is much larger than we are. He's omniscient. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's all-powerful. And we cannot fathom how he knows us. All we can do is take that because his word says us that way. He knows us not just analytical knowledge. He doesn't know just the facts and the figures. The word life in Greek is interesting because it, there are two words that mean life one is bios like a biography the facts and figures of our life that can be written down there's also a word called zoe in greek that means the life the godly life the soul the spirit of a individual that really cannot be recorded it's not a bunch of facts and figures but it's the life of the person. And God not only knows the bios of us, the facts and the figures and the things that can be recorded, he also knows us, our life in him. And also our life away from him, what we are, who we are, and what makes us tick. This is a relational knowledge which is only gained from intimacy note that he doesn't merely know what we think he understands what we think he knows the hidden motives and agendas that stand behind our thought process he knows what we think about people he knows our motives as we talk with them and make promises to them he knows the path we take through the day each pause each detour All of our communication is monitored by Him. And He clearly knows us better than we know ourselves. Like a human father, God goes before us and behind us and His hand guides us. He is not only distant in glory, He is present in care and concern. Now staggered by the overwhelming sense of God is God, David concludes that all of this is too wonderful, too marvelous, it is too high, I cannot attain it. The only way that we can understand even part of this is by his divine revelation. Jeremiah wrote in 1710, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct according to what their deeds deserve. While meditating about this psalm over the years, and especially while doing this study, I came to the conclusion that God not only knows what we think, what we say, and what we do, He also knows all our hurts and what makes us think, say, and do the things that we do. He knows the root causes Of all our afflictions, our failures, our victories, motives, and the list goes on. Not only only does he know them, he understands them. He knows what makes us tick. And by knowing these things, he also knows how to fix us when we're broken. He knows how and where to lead us to that special place in his heart that place where there is understanding comfort peace redemption forgiveness and victory he doesn't use this knowledge to hold us for ransom he doesn't use this information to harm us he uses this information to repair to repair our breach to fix our broken lives broken from the damage caused by sin self and Satan. He uses this information to be able to mold us in the image of his son. I hope you have been blessed by this message. I would love to hear from you. You can email me at rmooney at carolina.rr.com. And thank you for listening.